Welcome to Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher. With me, as always, the woman who is waiting to hear what pun I've come up with, but will be as disappointed as an Algerian mistress with unrequited love when she realizes <laughs> I haven't come up with anything, is Lydia. I just came to tell you it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only purpose. <laughs> oh, poor Edens. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Olivia? Thank you for joining me. I'm well, and I'm, of course, pleased as punch, I suppose, to be here. <laughs> Man, not having the pun really threw me, apparently. Yeah, sorry. Just can't, really couldn't think of anything really good with this one. <laughs> well, it's, it's a little bit different than we've been watching lately. It is, yeah, a little bit. Well, before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in and to let any new listeners know that they can listen and subscribe to this show via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, We're on Amazon Music now, if you want to listen to it that way. Uh, Whatever podcast app you choose, if you have an option to rate and review the show, please do so. That will help it get to uh, more people, and the more people we get to listen to us, the better. It'll make us happy. If you are still a Facebook user, there's a group that you can join. There's a great place to find out what we are going to be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. Just search for Orphan Entertainment. There you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. So with that, let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we explore the twists and turns of the Casbah in 1938's Algiers. Another five-minute mystery. your coats. Where's Helen Arnold? In making herself beautiful. Everybody's going to be at the club at 8.30. Oh, swell. I wonder what's keeping that delivery boy. Delivery boy? Yes, I had a corsage made up for Helen. It was supposed to be delivered an hour ago. If you two don't mind, I'll run out and get it. Helen should be out in a few minutes. She'll go right ahead. Oh, that thunder, it's frightening. Yeah, thunder never hurt anybody. Just the same, I wish it would stop. Turn up the radio, George, and let's dance. Well, I'm back. Isn't Helen ready yet? I haven't heard a sound from her. Say, I better go in and hustle her up a bit. I thought sure she'd be ready by now. Hmm, that's funny that she's not ready yet. Helen's usually so prompt. George, Betty, call a doctor quick. Yeah, what is it? What's happened? It's Helen here in the bathtub. She's fallen and hit her head. Fallen? Good heavens. Here, let's have a look. Help me get her out of here. In here on the bed. There. 
call a doctor, quick, please. It's too late, Arnold. Helen's dead. Huh? Cruel blow on her head. I... I can't believe it. Say, that's odd. What? But Helen would be taking a bath with her makeup on. You put your makeup on after you take a bath. Seems logical. You ought to know. And look, there's rain here on the floor by this bedroom window. Lots of it. Hey, it's being opened wide. What? What does it all mean, George? Well, I don't know what it means yet. But I intend to find out right now. Betty, would you mind going back into the bathroom and, and closing the door behind you? Then scream as loudly as you can. Well, I don't mind, but why? Never mind. Just do as I say. All right, if you think it'll help. Just as I thought. Arnold, have you got a gun? Oh, sure. It's there in the desk drawer. Be careful. It's loaded. Well, now that I've performed a little experiment... George, what are you doing with that gun? I'm covering Arnold with it until the police arrive. You see, he's just murdered his wife. How did George know Arnold killed his wife? We'll have the solution in just a moment. But first... I'm Alan. And I'm James. And we're the hosts of your new favorite podcast, The Test of Time. On our show, we talk about our favorite movies from the past, mostly from the 80s and 90s. There's Forrest Gump, which I hate. Weekend at Bernie's, which I hate. And plenty of movies we both love, but still love to talk about, like Risky Business, Swingers, E.T., Big, and more. We talk about the movies and debate if they still hold up today. In other words, do they stand the test of time? So check us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all the usual podcast places. Check out our website, testoftimepod.com, for a full list. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at testoftimepod. It's test of time to subscribe. <laughs> it's the test of time. James and Allen have to say, do the movies you love still hold up today? And now for the solution of our mystery. But, George, how, when did he do it? Remember when Arnold left for the florist? He went all right, but he also went around to the back of the house and climbed into Helen's bedroom through the window. He found her in the bathroom, but she wasn't taking a bath. She was putting on her makeup. Thanks to your observation, Betty, when I asked you to go into the bathroom and scream, I had a reason. You see, we heard you scream. We didn't hear Helen. Therefore, she didn't scream. Now I ask you... Who could have entered Helen's bedroom without frightening her in the least way? Simply a bit of logic, my dear. Her husband. is a drama directed by John Cromwell and starring Char- and stars Charles Boyer, Sigrid Guri, and Hedy Lamar. It is an American remake of a popular 1937 French film starring Jean Gabin. I don't know if it's Jean or Jean. Or Jean. J-E-A-N in France. I don't Jean. know. Jean. Mm-hmm. Jean Gabin. Mm-hmm. Let's call that. That film was called Pepe Lemoco which in turn is based on Henry Labarth's novel of the same name. 
The story is about a jewel thief, Pepe Lamoco, played by Charles Boyer, who, when escaping French authorities two years ago, has taken up residence in the Algiers Casbah. And I'm going to let the movie kind of give you a definition of the Casbah, because it does it far better than I could. The native quarter known as the Casbah. As you look at it here, it's just a few lines on the map. But the reality is something stranger than anything you could have dreamed. It's only a step from the modern city of the Casbah. But when you take that step, you enter another world, a melting pot for all the sins of the earth. Seen from a bird's eye view, the Casbah is a great staircase. Each step is a terrace rising from the sea. If you observe more closely, you'll see that those terraces and courtyards and twisted streets are like a crawling anthill, a jungle of houses, a labyrinth of narrow passages and winding alleys, rotten with vermin and decay and the filth of centuries. No one knows what mysteries are hidden behind those walls. No one knows what crimes and hopes are buried in those secret courtyards. 40,000 inhabitants from all over the world. Some have been settled here for generations. There are Kabyles in their white robes, Chinese faithful to Confucius, gypsies with their fortune telling in their songs. And there are many Czechos, and there are Slavs far from home, and Maltese, Negroes from every corner of Africa, Sicilians and Spaniards, hot-blooded and quick to hate, and women, women of every age and every shape. Women caught in the net of the Caspar. And everywhere there are terraces, all connected together so that those who are accepted can move to any part of the Caspar without using the street. The terraces are the domain of the native women, and it'd be death for a foreigner to go there unless you were known and protected. The Caspar rises like a fortress from the sea, colorful, sordid, dangerous. There isn't just one Caspar, there are a hundred, a thousand. And in that labyrinth, Pepe Lamoco is at home. And he's safe as long as he stays there. Lamoco lives a life of apparent luxury and seems to want for nothing. He's beloved by the people around him and has even struck up an odd friendship with the local police inspector. When Pepe meets a French tourist, Gabby, played by Hedy Lamar, he is reminded of Paris and begins to grow homesick. Re- realizing that he has been around and seen the same people and places for two years. He becomes a bit obsessed with Gabby and easily ignores his current, uh, we'll call her girlfriend, Inez, played by Sigrid Guri. And the idea of leaving the Kesbah becomes more and more problematic as Paris has sent a special officer to oversee the capture of Pepe and encourage the local police to act more directly rather than playing the waiting game which that, that they have done so far. Producer Walter Wagner Producer Walter Wanger purchased the rights to the French film Pepe Lamoco in order to remake it and bought all the prints of said film to prevent it from competing with his film in the U.S. He also used most of the music from the French film in this remake, as well as background sequences. Other backgrounds and exteriors of the film were shot in Algiers, and these photographs were integrated into the film by cinematographer James Wong Howe. This film and its exotic location is said to be an inspiration for the film Casablanca. And the inspirations don't stop there. The character of Pepe Lamoco, as depicted by Boyer, is also the inspiration for the Looney Tunes character, Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) MGM had considered Ingrid Bergman, Dolores Del Rio, and Sid 
Sylvia Sidney for the female lead, but as Boyer tells it, he met Letty, Hedy Lamar at a party and introduced her to Wanger as a possibility for his co-lead. Director Cromwell later said that he was immediately concerned with Lamar as he thought she couldn't act. He said, after you've been in the business for a time, you can tell easily enough right when you meet them. I could sense her inadequacy. Wanger could sense it too, and I could see Boyer getting worried even before we started talking behind Hetty's back. Sometimes the word personality is interchangeable with presence, although they aren't the same thing. But the principle applies, and Hetty also had no personality. How could they think she could become a second Garbo? I'll take some credit for making her acting passable but can only share credit with Boyer, maybe 50-50. Hedy Lamar was born in Vienna, Austria, and acted in a number of Austrian, German, and Czech films in her early career, including a controversial film, Ecstasy, in 1933, in which she briefly appeared nude and in the throes of an orgasm. In 1937, she fled from her husband, a wealthy ammunition manufacturer, moving to Paris and then to London, and there she met Louis B. Mayer, head of uh, MGM who offered her a movie contract in Hollywood while he began promoting her as, quote-unquote, the world's most beautiful woman. She became a star with her performance in Algiers, her first film made in the United States. She would go on to star opposite Clark Gable in Boomtown and Comrade X, both in 1940, and James Stewart in Come Live With Me and Siegfried Girl, both in 1941. Dismayed by often being typecast, Lamar co-founded a new production studio and starred in its films, The Strange Woman in 46 and Dishonored Lady in 47. Her greatest success, however, was as Delilah Delilah, in Cecil B. DeMille's Samson and Delilah. One of the most interesting facts about Haley Lamar has nothing to do with her film work. During the early part of World War II, the Allied forces at sea were having a tough time with German submarines. The Allied forces' own torpedoes could easily be jammed and forced to miss their targets. Lamar and composer George Antheil developed a radio guidance system that used something called frequency hopping spread spectrum technology to defeat the threat of jamming by the Axis powers. Frequency hopping is a method of transmitting radio signals by rapidly changing the carrier frequency among many different frequencies occupying a large spectral band. The changes are controlled by a code known to both the transmitter and the receiver and can be used to avoid interference and to prevent eavesdropping. The U.S. Navy did not adopt Lamar and Anthiel's invention until 1957, and they did not give any credit or compensation for their invention. However, various spread spectrum techniques are incorporated into things like Bluetooth technology, and they are similar to methods used in older versions of Wi-Fi. Recognition of their work was finally given posthumously when they were inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014. I actually just saw a, uh, watched a documentary not too long ago about Hedy Lamar and this very thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, where is she maybe not the best actress? A very intelligent woman. Yeah, super intelligent. She's basically the, before we got into, uh, 2G and 3G, and of course, on from there, we were using CDMA technology, which is basically, it's based on what she invented. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all of our cell phones basically run off of, well, ran off of that for years and years. It's really phenomenal that this woman, who obviously was billed as the most beautiful woman in Hollywood, really, she didn't find a lot of fulfillment in that and moved on to uh, changing the world, essentially. 
Yeah, you really wonder what would have happened had she not been pulled into acting, had she not met Louis B. Mayer. Could she, at that time, have found herself in a position where she could have been a scientist or an inventor? Or you know? a secret agent during World War II. <laughs> I, all kind, <laughs> really? Obviously, she had some pretty big potential and, and some really interesting contributions to make. Could have been really phenomenally... A very, very different story for her. Yeah, this is just a, the, the briefest of the descriptions of her. I would really, if you didn't know this or you'd only heard a little bit about her or whatever, definitely go and look her up and read more about her or try to track down, you know, some of these documentaries and stories about her because it, it is, she's a very interesting person. Now, Charles, Charles Boyer was a French-American actor who appeared in more than 80 films between 1920 and 1976. His memorable performances is included The Garden of Allah in 1936, this movie Algiers, The Love Affair in 39, as well as the mystery thriller Gaslight in 44. And Love Affair is uh, basically was remade later on into An Affair to Remember. So if oh, you've seen okay. that one, I actually highly recommend Love Affair. I think it's the better film. Excellent. Boyer received four Oscar nominations for Best Actor for the films Conquest in 37, Algiers here in 38, Gaslight in 44, and Fanny in 1961. I don't believe he won any of them, but four nominations, not bad. <laughs> I don't know what he was up against, uh, but as we'll get into it, I think he did a fantastic job here in Algiers. So I don't know who he was up against, but yeah, I don't know. I might have given it to him. <laughs> So that's all the information, all the background and stuff that I had. Scratching the surface on the two big stars, uh, this has actually got some pretty great uh, actors and some character actors in here, including uh, we've seen them a couple times in some films before. This is probably the first time he's had as big a role as he does here is good old Alan Hale. Uh, Alan Hale. <laughs> I was going to mention him if you didn't. Yeah. If, pretty much if you've seen an Errol Flynn movie, you've seen Alan Hale. <laughs> yeah. Father of Alan Hale uh, Jr., who everyone knows as the skipper from Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun in this film. There are moments, especially his voice, <laughs> certain lines and things that he says where it's like, wow, that's the skipper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it sounds just like him. It's so funny. It, it almost throws throws you out because suddenly you're in an, a, or you're in one of the weird final season episodes of Gilligan's Island or something. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, where have I seen this guy before? I've seen him in something. I think I've seen him in a monk's robe in uh, in Robin Hood. <laughs> I have to double check it though. But he he was in so many movies. Uh, he, he was in, of course, we've already seen him in Santa Fe Trail. Mm -hmm. uh, when we covered that one, but he was in so many movies with Errol Flynn that you'll, you know, you'll recognize him as little John, I think actually is who he is. I'm desperately looking for it. <laughs> I think it was little John though. I can, say, in, I can see him as a little John or even a Friar Tuck. Yes. Yeah. I'm, it's one of the two I'm sure, but I actually think he, I think he played little John. Yeah. He's getting to be one of those character actors that um, as much as I always liked seeing Alan Hale Jr. pop up in films, I've really it's far as these older movies, I'm actually really enjoying when Alan Hale Sr. pops up because he, he is mm -hmm. just one of those fun character actors that I enjoy watching. Mm -hmm. The other person that pops out, I mean, and we'll we'll definitely talk about him in the, the course of this, is Joseph 
Kalea, I think is how you pronounce his last mm. name. Who plays, who plays Inspector in, Slimane. Inspector Slimane. He is also in the second Thin Man movie with, uh, uh, oh, I've just lost all of my names. <laughs> <laughs> with Actually with James Stewart when he was in that one. And also with uh, William, oh no, it is with William Powell. Uh, with William Powell and Myrna Loy in the second Thin Man movie. Um, a little bit part, which is funny, but I recognized him, but I had the hardest time figuring out who he was in this. So I had to look him up. And when I saw who he was, he plays a gangster in that. So a a totally different character from this, but he's got that face where like Cesar Romero, when he was younger, he gets cast as a lot of Latin characters. It looks like, but, um, I'm excited to talk a little bit, a little bit about him. I think he is a phenomenal presence in this movie i'm an interesting presence for sure yeah oh, absolutely the more you watch it the more interesting he becomes we have a we have a member of the lockhart family in this film as well gene lockhart who is actually of the famous kind of hollywood lockhart family he's the uh father of june lockhart who mm-hmm. which makes him the grandfather of ann lockhart so it's definitely a long lived family there. I thought it was uh, interesting seeing him. He played Regis in this one. Mm-hmm. Not one of the uh, interesting character, but not one of the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> even, and even the director John Com, Crom, John, Com, I'm gonna have a hard time with it. Even the director John Cromwell in this. Uh, I've run into him a couple of times. He directed one of my all-time favorite movies, of course, with David Niven, The Prisoner of Zenda. (laughs) And also the original version of Anna and the King of Siam, not The King and I, but we've got a couple of pre-remakes in this one, or people linked to pre-remakes that are, again, worth watching. So uh, it's, it's interesting. Everybody in this seems to branch out and have... Really interesting connections. I was interested to see how much Sigrid Geary was not in a whole lot of films, but the people she acted opposite, um, including she was in a John Wayne movie, she was in a Gary Cooper movie, as the main love interests. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think The Adventures of Marco Polo was the one with Gary Cooper. A movie I had not heard of called Three Faces West uh, with John Wayne. And it's interesting because she's not, I think... uh, the kind of person that you would typically expect to see is a lead, a lead female up against these characters. But the roles that she plays in these movies are real similar to um, Inez in this one, where she's um, more of a and a different ethnically different than her actual Norwegian background. Yeah, I was just is. gonna say it really surprised me as exotic as she looks in this film to look mm-hmm. her up and go wait norwegian <laughs> it yeah it, and i apologize i think it's just norwegian or swedish it's norwegian, norwegian. no mm-hmm. we're right yeah yeah it's very interesting but she's got this look to her and i imagine her eyes must be blue just these real bright blue eyes in a couple of scenes this is of course a black and white movie so you can't tell but you can tell how light they are um there's there's some interesting filming choices throughout this movie that really highlight features of the different characters. I imagine we'll get into that right in now, I suppose. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I am of kind of mixed minds as you mentioned that it's a black and white film and part of me really wishes this had been in color cuz this would have been a sight to see in color mm-hmm. with just the the Casbah how it was depicted. 
mm-hmm. and all the different peoples and you know all the different you know the bright colors and that would have been fun but the director and the cinematographer do they enjoy playing with a lot of light and shadow mm-hmm. which i think would have been lost had this been in color it has a real film noir feel yeah I'm kind of, I'm really split. On one hand, I really want to wish this was in color. And the other is like, no, no, black and white is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. It, it is one of those movies that it, when you think about the location, it begs to be full of color. Right. I mean, this you want to see it, the textiles, you want to see the tiles, you want to see the, the dirty dirt floors, but then you want to see the bright blues and reds mm-hmm. of the, of the, uh, the, the, the robes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this is an era where that was very popular. There are a lot of movies coming out, not quite at this time, but a little after this time that really played with color and location. This movie is a little bit different in that it's not about the location. It's not about travel to an exotic place and see Pepe Lamoco. It's it's really different feeling this is actually a story about a gangster yeah in a ghetto the only difference is he's french and it's africa uh it's it, it's, it's interesting it, I, th- I think they made the right choice and we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here but for the story that it is which is actually about seedy underground people even though you forget that when you're seeing pepe on the screen you forget this is actually a bad guy but yeah. it, it's, I think it, it makes, it pulls down the mood of the film to make it seem, to give it more gravity, which it needs, which is part of what makes it such a good film is the gravity that it has. You mentioned the location. It's not about the Casbah, yet I do think the Casbah sort of, it is kind of a character in the film still. It is a character, very It much. is a character, but yeah, it is not the forefront, it is not the main character. And in this film, the Casbah, you get the impression that it would be kind of simultaneously an incredibly interesting place to visit and also incredibly terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You may see things that you'll never, you not see anywhere else in the world, but you may not make it out to tell anybody. <laughs> it mentions that. And, and it's interesting. There are scenes in this, like early on when the police are going through the Casbah looking to capture Pepe at, at Grand Père's house. And there are presumably homeless men sleeping on the stairs, tapping with their sticks, possibly blind beggars even. This is, uh, this is the poorest area of Algiers. This is the seediest area. This is the red light district. This is where all of the people who are never going to make anything of themselves get stuck, get trapped. And it's for that reason, it's the perfect personification of a prison for Pepe because this is where people get trapped and nobody gets out of here and makes a big name for themselves. This is just a hole that sucks everybody in. And it's from that perspective, it has a personality. It has its own really visceral entrapment (laughs) I'm making claw motions with my hands because I'm like I don't even I can't even explain it that well but it feels like a sucking grasping kind of place that it may have bright colors in it but there's nothing nothing happy about it in the sense that it's not a carefree wonderful mystical place this is a ghetto trying to think where I really want to start with this Pepe 
I guess or, we should start with Or Pepe. Inspector Slimane. I'm happy with either one. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of these things where I really want to get the like I want to get the Inez, but I, I don't I don't feel like that's where we should start. <laughs> so yes, let's start with probably the main character here, played by Charles Boyer, Pepe Lamoco. Yeah, you're right. He is a gangster. He's a jewel thief, maybe. He's he's a criminal mastermind or a uh, almost a mob boss in the Casbah. He kind of rules. Uh, he's become uh, what's the saying? Uh, better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. You yeah. know. So that's <laughs> yes. Kind of why his position. That's what he's kind of doing now that he's in the Casbah. So yeah, he's like the top dog. So everyone really likes him because he makes sure that everyone's kind of taken care of. And you, you, if you do right by Pepe, he'll make sure that no one does wrong by you know by you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which makes him kind of like a local hero. I compared him to Robin Hood, but instead of stealing from the rich to give to the poor, he steals from the rich to give to Pepe. Yes, <laughs> but he's also kind to the people around him, and he's he's caring. He knows every person's name. Everybody knows who Pepe is, and Pepe knows every person's name in it. And I love, I think this is kind of like one of my favorite sorts of villains, is that he is the congenial villain. He is mm-hmm. incredibly polite. He is. He seems and comes across as kind. He's suave. Suave. Without being arrogant, which is hard to balance. I just want to know you. You seem like a really great guy. But then you think, this is a guy that may also be, if if not actually having pulled the trigger or killed anyone personally, he's very well responsible. And we do see him responsible for people's deaths. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it makes you very like torn. Like this is the hero. <laughs> the hero <laughs> he's, is he's the very, villain, and the villain is yeah. the hero. It is so odd, and it makes it. He's a very Godfather kind of character. He oversees that, yeah. everything without actually getting his hands dirty most of the time. I was not familiar with Charles Boyer. I have not seen him in anything else. This is the first film I've seen of him, but I may have to go and try to track down a few others because mm-hmm. I thought he did a fantastic job in this and to pull that kind of a character off where it pulls you in and it he becomes a sympathetic character mm-hmm. even though he's the bad guy you know you're not supposed to root for the bad guy <laughs> well he's interesting because they're even though he is nominally the bad guy the police are out to get him from the beginning you see the police as these in general as these incompetent kind of they're, they're kind of crooked themselves. The, you know, the, the new police, uh, I've lost the word, the new police chief that they've brought in from Paris to capture him is, he's, aside from being basically an idiot, <laughs> he's also, he also is arrogant. He is yeah, very much. He is overconfident without having anything to back it up. And it gives you, it's interesting because it immediately puts you on this, in this uh, position of disliking the police because you can see them for what they are. They're kind of bumbling people that are out to get this guy that, you know, is he really doing anybody any harm? Uh, <laughs> but they're not, they don't, they aren't sympathetic. Immediately the police come in as characters that you have no sympathy for. I think that's where we need to talk about Inspector Slimane. With the exception of Inspector Slimane. What an interesting character he is. Very interesting. He is, he's not bumbling. He's not stupid. He's a very intelligent, 
and he is just biding his time. He knows he knows he can't go in there and get Pepe because the entire Casbah would tear him apart. Ask Inspector Slimane. The Casbah is his territory. How does Pepe Lamoco conceal himself? Disguise, no doubt. <laughs> you don't know Pepe. He'd laugh at the disguise. Why don't you find him? Oh, but that is singularly easy. I see him every day. What? Our distinguished colleague is disturbed. The man is wanted in all the capitals of Europe and you see him every day. Another example of what you call local condition. Gross inefficiency, no effort to make an arrest. To arrest him in the Caspa, distinguished colleague, would be simple. To get him out would be impossible. So you do nothing. I flatter myself that I do a great deal in my humble way. I learn about Pepe. I know his habits. I study his weaknesses. When one can't use guns, one must work with brains. I prefer guns. In your case, honored sir, such a preference is unavoidable. By his looks, I'd say he was too lazy to make an arrest. I'm merely careful. Which means to say that you're looking after your own skin. It's the only skin I have. So he just sits and waits. So he's actually struck up a friendship. I mean, they, they meet, they, oh, I see him every day. I, it, mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It is very much, you could definitely see where Casablanca was inspired by, mm-hmm. you know, the, the relationship between Rick and, um, I can't think of Claude Rains's character. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the kind of relationship that we have here with uh, Slimane and uh, Pepe. It is it is brilliant. They They have like a mutual respect for each other. And they almost seem like they actually legitimately like each other. And... Pepe just knows that Slimane can't touch him while he's in the Casbah. So Slimane is just like, you'll come out eventually and I'll arrest you. Uh, so so I, I love this character. I love Inspector Slimane, not because he is like a really wholesome, good person. You don't know. It's interesting. You're never told what kind of a character it is, except that you are told, you are shown that he's very intelligent. Immediately, his interaction with the new police chief uh, is hilarious. Just his very understated insults of this guy that is a (laughs) bumbling idiot are so funny. Um, Understated, but very funny. But he's also interesting. He has this very self-effacing attitude that you usually see in kind of slimy characters Mm -hmm, or kind mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of, what's the word I want? Um, Sidekicks or or minion kind of characters where they say, oh, you know, I'm only here to please you. Oh, I'm I'm so pleased that you you like my face. So I'm, I'm so honored that you've complimented me with, you know, by this or by that, you know, that you've taken notice of me. He acts this way, but he's he's not the he's not grasping it. He's not being self-effacing to get people to like him. It's almost his way of being tongue in cheek toward people. It's almost his way of kind of insulting them a little bit to say, oh, I'm so pleased that you of your very incredibly great intelligence have noticed me, (laughs) but always (laughs) in that humble kind of way. Yes. So he's a fascinating character. And as soon as you see him in the same room with Pepe and they have this exchange. Sometimes I feel sorry for them. They'll never get me by this technique, you know. I've tried to point that out to them. (laughs) But once we agree, the inspector and I. I am the one who will get you, Pepe, in the end. 
I can hardly wait for a day. And not only you, but the others. Piero, Carlos, Grandpere, all of you. And then what will you do? Put us in the zoo? <laughs> you flatter yourself. Oh, you mean you won't show me in a cage? You're important now because you're free. Once you're behind bars, people will forget all about you. <laughs> He's funny, my friend Slimane. He looks normal, doesn't he? But he has delusions of grandeur. He thinks he can arrest me. That's exactly what I'm gonna do, Pepe. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> oh, you make me laugh. You know what I like about you? No, but I'm humbly waiting for you to tell me. Your face. It's a perfect face for your job. To look that false is almost the equivalent of being honest. I'm honored that my appearance pleases you. Don't mention it. I'm going to be the one that's going to catch you, but not in an... I, I love how he's not arrogant about it, though. He's not like, right. oh, well, you're just trash. I'm going to get you. He's he's like, oh, you know, you're you're a very formidable op- opponent, Pepe, and and you'll see. Someday I will bring yes, you to it's, justice. Yes, it's not a threat. <laughs> no, it's not a threat. It's just, a it's just matter of... Yeah, it's matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah. You have these two incredibly intelligent people having these exchanges that on the surface are very friendly and congenial. And underneath, they're just stating flat out, hey, I'm going to get you someday. You know, I respect you enough not to be to, you know, express foolish threats toward you. But this is my intention. I fully intend to take you to prison today. You know, and Pepe is saying, oh, yeah, I fully intend for you never to take me to prison today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and this is the first scene where we really see Gabby come in too, mm-hmm. and uh, and Gabby is talking to Inspector Slimane before Pepe has come in comes in, and uh, you know, and they're explaining, oh yeah, nobody can catch Pepe. Pepe, you know, he's escaped the police over and over again, and she says, the police have been trying to catch him for two years. Police must be rather stupid. As one of them, I consider that a triumph of understatement. You are one of them? I have that doubtful honor. How does he do it? Good head. It's not his head that saves him, it's his heart. A man with such a good heart could get around anyone. Sounds intriguing. (laughs) That's a matter of taste. <laughs> He's like, yes, my coworkers are total idiots. But I love that he doesn't use that as an excuse to just give up. He says early on when the the new the new chief uh, says, you know, oh, you're just lazy. You're not doing anything. He says, I flatter myself that I do a great deal. I look for Pepe's weaknesses, mm-hmm. and I, and that is that is the kernel in this movie yes. that. After you've seen it once and you start watching it again, you see, oh, every yes. time he runs into Pepe, every time he sees Pepe, he's watching for that weakness until yes. he finds it. He's calculating. That, that's and what it's he's interesting. Doing. Mm-hmm. He's an exceptionally well-written character. Uh, I, I, I heard a talk once where a writer was saying that the thing you have to do to write a good character is you have to find out the one thing that that character wants. And what they'll do anything to achieve. And that's exactly how Slimane is written. He has one goal. And that's to take Pepe down. But not through brute force. Through intelligence. Right. And you can see that every step of every moment of his day through this movie. It's beautifully written. So you mentioned Gabby. This is uh, Hedy Lamar's character here. Um, I have to kind of agree with, I think, who did I say? It's say the Cromwell and everyone. <laughs> she is not the best of an actress. 
does okay, but I don't believe she truly carries herself terribly well in this film. This is interesting. I, I hadn't considered it. There's one moment specifically right when she's first introduced and Pepe sees Gabby, but he first sees the cuff on her sleeve. He later describes it as diamonds and platinum. Mm -hmm. And it focuses very tightly. You see his eyes move from one piece to the next. First, he sees this, this cuff on her sleeve, this bracelet. And then he sees her pearls, pretty large pearls for real pearls, by the way, really nice set of pearls. (laughs) And then he, then he notices her lips. And from there, her smile, this beaming pearlescent white smile. And, there's the one moment right then where she smiles and it's kind of like a forced is she smiling yeah. <laughs> or is she just showing her teeth? Is she, it, it, the smile doesn't reach her eyes and it's like, Oh, uh, what are you doing? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What are you doing? That's exactly <laughs> the question. What are you doing? But as it goes on though, her interactions with Pepe make more sense to me. This is a girl who we find out uh, probably worked in a department store and waited until she could find the richest old dude she could find and caught him. And now here they are traveling together as fiance, uh, as fiancés, as an engaged couple in Algiers with another couple. And she has the jewels to show for it, the silks, the, the, the hats, the gowns, she has everything she says. She's Her friend says, everything you've ever wanted your whole life. And then she runs into this gangster in the Casbah. She holds herself back. In, in the movie, I perceived it as her holding herself back intentionally because she has got all the stuff she wants. And if she launches into something else, she's going to lose everything she worked so hard to trap. So it's it's an interesting question. It, either they're right, she's not a good actress, and there is some very clever editing and directing going on in this movie, or her her projection of this character is just understated. She's not playing the forward, slummy woman. She's playing the the cautious woman who's got what she wants and doesn't want what's what is becoming attractive to her. All right, fair enough. I do love some of the dialogue between her and Pepe. So you wanted to take another look at the strange wild animal? Strange, but not so very wild. How do you like my cage? I don't know yet. Do you like Algiers? I don't like traveling, makes me homesick. Does it? I can't see Paris when I open my eyes in the morning. I want to go right back to sleep. Do you know Paris? Do I know Paris? Now is Saint-Martin. Gare du Nord. The Opera, Boulevard Capucine. Arbès, La Chapelle. Rue Montmartre. Boulevard Rochechouart. Rue Fontaine. La Place, La Place Blanche. Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> what a small world. I think the best, one of the best lines he asks her. What did you do before? Before what? Before the jewels. I wanted them. 
It says everything. It says everything about this character. Her whole life, she hasn't had anything she wanted. We later find out that she and Pepe grew up streets away from each other without ever meeting or mm-hmm. without ever knowing that they met as children. And you and he came out of that situation clearly not having a lot of money. They say, you know, when on holidays they would dance in the street. This is not what wealthy children do. <laughs> this right. is what, you know, kids in in poorer families, you know, hey, it's a holiday, let's go dance in the street. And his response to that was to go become a jewel thief. Her response, which in this era she didn't have a lot of options, was to go be a girl in a shop and find a rich man to marry. And the, and so that tells you everything you need to know about her. Before she was in this position, she wanted everything she has right now, and she fought to get it and was successful at it. Yep. Even her uh, girlfriend even says, you don't marry for fun. I didn't. hmm <laughs> <laughs> I think between, as far as chemistry goes, I think there is still a great deal more chemistry between Boyer and Guri, between Pepe and Inez. Yeah. I Inez think is an interesting character. She's a very interesting character. I think she's an incredibly tragic character in this. Mm. Uh, you don't really know the backstory of how her and Pepe ended up together. If there was ever truly love between them or not. But she is completely and utterly devoted to Pepe. Mm-hmm. And when we see her and see him, he barely gives her the time of day. He doesn't even think twice that when he starts going after Gabby, it, it, it doesn't even come close to phase. It doesn't even face him at all. I mean, he can see how much it bothers Inez. It barely registers with him. Mm-hmm. And that's so sad. It Well, and it is interesting because clearly... Inez has access to his house whenever she wants in. She just comes in. They, you know, he's not... She doesn't knock on the door. Well, you get the impression <laughs> she lives there. I assume she, that she lived there. Well, it, I mean, in all of his men kind of live there. In multiple times, you'll see him come out of his... Obviously, his bedroom. And then um, Carlos or somebody else will come out of an adjacent room. Like, they all just live in this building together. And probably his apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, clearly she's... From the Casbah, they mention later, you know, he says, you, you've lived here your whole life. You've never left here. You know, this is, this is all you know. And so clearly they met here in the Casbah. Right, yeah. And his treatment of her early on is like almost like a, an older brother or a kind of a, a patronizing, like a fondness, but definitely not of romantic, passionate love. At no point do you get the idea that he's... See that he sees her as his equal. Ines, did you tell anyone where I was? No one, Pepe. You're sure? Try to remember. Why don't you believe me, Pepe? All I want is to please you. I couldn't lie to you. Couldn't you? What about all that time you kept telling me that you didn't like me? But this is serious. Ah, so love is not serious pepe it's serious if someone told the police i didn't talk to anyone i stayed at home until riches came who came riches mm. as soon as he told me i ran to you what did riches tell you about the police he wanted me to warn you it was nice of him mm-hmm. that's what i thought but is that all you thought was there anything else for me to think <laughs> that's what i like about you what 
<laughs> Never mind. Like, he, he sees her at, he knows how devoted she is, but he also knows this woman is not at the intelligence level of Slimane, for example. Yeah. It's I, not that she's stupid, she just isn't, she's not his equal. She's a pet. She's a pet. That's the yeah. right word for it. She's his pet. Right. But I just see her as being so tragic of a character because of this devotion she has for Pepe. The fact that Pepe just doesn't seem to care. And to, by the end of the film, I mean, she's the character that gets absolutely no closure whatsoever. Mm. And you walk away from this going, what about Inez? <laughs> mm. <laughs> What's going to happen it, to her? <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. I think... This movie was not the movie I thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I, I suppose for being as blindsided as I was, I, I feel like I probably am pretty pretty foolish. <laughs> I feel like I should have known where this movie was going, but I have this predisposition to expect everything to be, you know, a happy ending love story. That's not what this movie is. You know, we've compared it to some film noir already. So many of the characters in this movie are tragic characters. In fact, this story, I think it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's all these people that are, that they know what they want. They're, clawing at this opportunity to have their goal, whether it's leaving the Casbah, marrying Rich, catching the bad guy, you know, um, becoming wealthy through crime, you know, as you see Piero and Carlos are, you know, struggling to do. All, you know, you've got these these weasels like Regis and there's another guy whose name I never caught that, you know, they're, they just want money. To, they just want to be informers. That's their whole life is they just want, <clears throat> they want to be able to stick it to somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and almost without exception, every person in this movie, their goals are frustrated. Almost every single person and even some of the people that get what they've always thought they wanted they aren't made happy by it. So, yes, I think you're right. I think Inez is a tragic character in this movie, but I think there are, I think in this entire movie, there are one or maybe two characters that aren't tragic characters. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, If you think about all the people that kind of are the, um, the crowd, I suppose, you know, the gang, whatever you want to call them. Um, You're right. They're, they're all, well, they're all kind of very dependent on Pepe, but you get the feeling that Grand Pierre will do okay if Pepe isn't there. He he's, might be okay. He's yeah. he's he's a he's a grifter he, and a shifter. I mean, he can. He's the you second know, one I was thinking of. He he, he could pass as respectable. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's just you know he's a looks like he's a, a fence, uh, or you know with mm-hmm. the jewels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He he'll figure so and he comes across as being very well read and intelligent as well mm-hmm. so i think he'll do okay but you think about the other characters the one guy that's always sitting back there playing with that little top toy the ball where you try to max yes is that <laughs> is that max that's Max. Carlos is the one that keeps saying, say that again to my face. Oh, okay. I thought that was Max. All right, yes. No, no, that's Yeah, Carlos. so Max is always back there playing with his toy. And then the, the guy I just kept calling the mute, because I don't think we ever Smiles. hear his name. Yeah, the guy that just grins a lot in yeah, kind of in a creepy way. <laughs> the, those are the guys where you're wondering, they would probably just latch on to whoever tries to fill the void yeah. yep. uh, after Pepe is gone. 
But the, um, is it a fulfilling life for them? Will they be really actually happy? Probably not. They'll probably get shot in a gang fight. Oh, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Somebody's going to shiv them in a back alley. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, none the, of these that's, people, you know. <laughs> none of these people, I don't think any of these people are going to die of old age. Mm-mm. <laughs> except possibly Grandpere. Yeah. Yeah, and, except and possibly. Ultimately, possibly Slimane, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I meant am- among the gang, anyway. Yeah, among the gang. Yes, you're exactly right. And none of them are going to take Pepe's place. No, no, no. You can't see any of them actually stepping up and being, mm-hmm. you know, a replacement. Although you you could see where maybe that a few of them may uh, thin the herd a little bit by trying, and the other ones mm-hmm. just knock them off. <laughs> where Piero Piero would have probably, uh, but yeah, running into it again. And Grandpere, I think he's too cl- he's too smart to try. Yeah, I don't think he would even want the position. I think no. he's happier being the uh, the one behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think I walked into this really not having any expectations as to what kind of story was going to be told. Uh, obviously, from the plot, you get the, oh, a uh, criminal is um, becomes kind of obsessed with uh, this French tourist. Mm-hmm. And there's a romance. Okay, fine, whatever. I don't think I had any expectations beyond that. So... This whole thing, I actually ended up really enjoying it, not having any of those expectations. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, too, about watching this film more than once and how you pick more things out. And yeah. yes, I mean, I watched this about two and a third times <laughs> <laughs> because I, the first time I watched it, I ended up kind of fading somewhere after the halfway mark and fell asleep. So the next night mm-hmm. I had to back it up and I went back to where I knew I had, I recognized stuff. So I watched a, a good portion of the film again and then watched it to the end. And then I got to watch it all the way through a second time. And that second viewing, I found this film so mo- so, so much more intriguing and interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah, <laughs> I was picking out those little moments. I was picking out those moments, Slimane, where you see, the gears are turning in his head yes. as things happen uh, around him. And you it's, start, It's oh. almost a movie, you could almost watch it through several times, but each time focus on a different character. Mm-hmm. And you come up with a really vibrant, very intricate story as a result. And if you're taking it from each different character's point of view, it almost becomes a completely different movie. It's, it's interesting how how varied the cast is in this for, for being not a very long movie. It's an hour and a half, but it's not, you know, this isn't a three part Lord of the Rings (laughs) with three hour films, but you still have some very distinct stories threading through it. Many of the characters, I could actually sit and watch a movie or hear a story about any of them. Just that character. I totally agree. Yes. You almost wish there was, you almost wish there's like a little side story or mm-hmm. something like uh, what happens, you know, tell me about Carlos and his wife. You know, mm-hmm. I want to know about these two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who is that guy that's constantly playing with the toy? Uh, <laughs> or, or how did Piero end up with Pepe? Like, yeah. obviously he's got like kind of younger brother or like a nephew kind of role there, but are they related? We don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. There's so much, backstory that you want out of this movie then yeah you like you're saying if you watched it and just focused on each individual character i think you'd, you'd come away kind of like making up your own backstories mm-hmm. <laughs> to figure mm-hmm. out how they fit into this world a rich backstory that's not told it does 
pale Gabby by comparison. Because Gabby is in comparison to Pepe and all of his crew. She's just another... I'm. I, this is a derogatory term for it, but it is actually accurate. She's just another gold digger. She's a pretty young face that just wants to get married rich, and then she runs into this guy and starts to have feelings for him. But she's not a story that we haven't seen before. But all of Pepe's crew, including Inez and Slimane, they're all kind of unusual characters. Mm-hmm. They, we might have seen them as background characters in a movie with you know John Wayne writing in to save the day, but this is the first movie I can think of where they're not only the main characters, but Pepe is incredibly likable. I mean, he, to me, he's the hero of the film. I yeah. mean, just without without mistake, whether he's the good guy or the bad guy, he is the hero. He is the main character, and you want him to succeed. There's no point in the movie where you're thinking, "Oh, I hope this guy fails." You know, you're he, he, you know he's the thief. You know he's technically a criminal, but he's like you said earlier, just so likable that. It, he, he, it makes such a better story with him as the main character than if they had made Slimane the, big, the main character, which is what they typically would have done. As interesting as it might be, I don't think this film would work as well if it was told through Slimane's point of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remembered uh, we had been watching Emily in Paris, and at one point they're talking about French movies, and, they, and she says, oh, you know... That, but no, the, the man and the woman have to end up happily together, you know, at the end of it. And one of the women says, oh, that's because you're an American. Only in American movies, does you know, do they end up together. Yes. In French movies, everybody <laughs> dies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a French story. This right. story is a French story. And without giving too much weight, no, no, not everybody dies. But, yeah, it is. This is not an American romance. It's very interesting. I won't necessarily give away the ending of, of this movie, uh, but I believe in the either the original story or in the original French film, Pepe commits suicide at mm, the end of it. Interesting. And, I was not aware of that. Yeah, and the studio pretty much said, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting, uh, the, the limits of what was allowed and not allowed back then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to give you an idea of the type of film, I guess this this at least the type of story that this thing was based on, anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's based on a French story, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> and that's really kind of what I meant when I said this is not the movie I thought I was watching. And I think too, I didn't even realize Pepe Moco was French. Like you know, when when we just glanced at the the. Uh, short description of the movie and said, yeah, okay, let's, let's watch Algiers. This looks interesting. I, at no, at no point did I go, okay, this is a movie about a bunch of French people in Africa. I didn't think of that. <laughs> and so getting, getting to watch it. And is it, is it rolled on? I was like, oh, this is it, uh, happily. This is not a movie about a cop getting a bad guy. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about a complex, interesting, intelligent man who is trapped and is desperately trying to find a way out. Didn't really, I realized after I had already written my synopsis and even as I was reading it, that honestly his kind of stir craziness begins before he even meets Gabby. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell he's starting to get antsy before mm-hmm. she even shows up. She's really just what pushes him over the edge. Mm-hmm. In- Inez asks him at one point, he's sitting staring at the boats, uh, the ships as they're you know coming into port. And she says, what are you looking at? And he says, Paris 
And she says, you can't see Paris from here. And he says, yes, you can, or something to that effect. <laughs> and even from, from early on, you know, we already know he's been here for two years and he's stuck in the Casbah. The minute he sets foot outside, he's, he's done for. Well, I think without giving the end away, we've gotten through most of this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's definitely probably time that we put some Othal ratings on it. The first time I watched it, I was thinking, oh, man, this is going to be like a, a three, you know. Mm -hmm. The second time I watched it, I enjoyed it so much more. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, this is definitely worthy of a four. And now sitting and talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to push it up to the five. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I will, because I honestly think this is a film. And I, I know I've said this about other films that it, I, I'll, I'll watch this movie again. Mm -hmm. This one, I think I really would watch this movie again. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Casablanca. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's it's just one of those masterpieces of films, and I think you know you'd find people, you'd be hard pressed to find people that disagree with you. I think this holds up, could be right there alongside of it, or mm -hmm. you know, clawing at the pedestal <laughs> to mm -hmm. try to get up there. Um, I really enjoy it. I enjoy what this movie does. I enjoy the way the characters are so much more intelligent and well-written than so many other characters. Of a, <laughs> of a story like this, for a story like this, you expect, you just don't expect it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's me watching too many films that came, you know, 50 years later. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I agree with you on that. The uh, on the, the perception of it, this this is a, it's very well made for being. Uh, I think this is not a, a massive set. I don't no. think that they spent ridiculous amounts of money on this movie. The feeling of it, the um, atmosphere of this movie, is very strong. You feel like you are in the Casbah. You yeah. it, you're not looking at it going, oh yeah, that's a nice cut, paper cutout. You're, you, it, it, there's a lot of tight, there are a lot of tight shots in this. There's some pretty dramatic lighting in some, some places. There are some significant periods of time in this movie where nobody says anything. There's a lot of action involved in it and a, and a lot of exchange of interactions without there being even any dialogue, even as something as simple as guys sitting there playing cards and one of them is convinced he's about to be killed. angrily playing cards, angrily playing cards. <laughs> There's that we, we've talked about the characters in this movie, but we haven't touched anywhere on the complexity of the story here. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, there's a romance involved, but the story is not just about Pepe having a romance. So yeah, I, I think Casablanca's, a good movie. <laughs> I need to hear people screaming at me already. <laughs> Casablanca is a good movie, but the characters in this movie to me are much more interesting. Yes. You're, oh no, much no, more I agree. Intelligent. Much, they have a lot more conviction. Everybody from Inez through um, Slimane, every person in this, even even Pepe's thugs, because a couple of them are thugs. They are so devoted to Pepe that you really there. There's a lot of depth to these characters that I've not felt in watching 
something like Casablanca. So no, I'm not going to say, oh, this movie is so much better than Casablanca, but I am going to say, look, if you think that you, sh- if, if you think everybody should watch Casablanca, you absolutely need to watch this movie. Yes. Um, that said, I'm, I'm going to give it a four, <laughs> which is, but I think, I think if you had not given it a five, I would in principle have to give it a five, but I think there are just a few things about this movie that it's, it's almost not that it's not perfect. It's almost more that it, it doesn't, it isn't groundbreaking almost is kind of my argument against it for me not mm. not against the movie but against giving it a five um the, but but there's not really anything wrong with it. it it is superbly cast it's superbly written it's superbly directed i'm, I'm actually i'm kind of disappointed to know that hetty lamar was was kind of ragged on <laughs> for her performance <laughs> in this movie. I don't think that she, there's what literally the one scene where she has that goofy smile. It, but at the same time, I also, maybe because it's not the movie that I thought it was going to be, not that I think it should be. I'm happy that it's the movie it is. I, I, and maybe I'll change my mind in the future and say, no, I should have rated that as a five. But it's a solid four. And if not a five, I can't I can't not give it at least four. I don't think it's an insult to give this movie a four at all. And we're not allowed to give halves. <laughs> Early on we set the rule. We can't give half an othal. So I I I don't remember us setting that rule. We could we can give halves, I think. I, I, I remember some of our early films us giving us halves. So Do you, okay, I well I would give it a I would give it a four and a half easily. Uh I, I would rate that- this. That may I would be, rate this better than Citizen Kane every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> that may be a more honest. Uh, that may be if you're gonna give a half. That may be a more honest uh, rating. Um, I don't. But, it's I, just, but I can't argue against a five either. No, that and that's very much. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was walking the dog the other night, and I was thinking about this movie, and I was like, I'm, th- I'm gonna have to take like an arrow out of Lydia's quill, and it's just, it's gonna be one of these. <laughs> I can't argue against the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. This is genuinely a movie that I would, I would rate. Personally, I would have rate above Casablanca. Um, again, not knocking Casablanca. It's just not my favorite movie. I think definitely the way the characters are written, the characters yeah. themselves, I think, oh. are better here than in Casablanca. Yeah. I think the actors that portray the characters in Casablanca just have that. A little more polish. Yeah, there's just something more about them. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you got Bogart and Bacall and and uh, and Claude Rains <laughs> and um, I can't argue against Lauren Bacall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. basically, <laughs> the the characters here in Algiers are better. Casablanca, there are more personalities, maybe. Okay, Th- this is just one of those movies that the only reason not to give it five stars is almost on principle that. Most movies shouldn't have five stars. <laughs> right. There are some minor issues to this film, but you have to nitpick so deep to get any of them. You know, there. I think. I think probably the biggest argument against Teddy Lamar in this movie is that her first, her introductory scene is so weak. It's hard from there to really appreciate her. But I don't think that plays out through the whole film. I think she does fine. Well, and her the first time we see her film, there, she's literally just like, oh, and look, here's Hedy Lamar. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no 
build up to her being there. She's just suddenly in the street. Well, and this is her, it's interesting. This is her first movie in the U.S. Nobody knows her. There's no reason to know her from anybody else on the street. And anybody watching this movie in this time would have just been like, okay, so who is this woman? And they give you this weird kind of smile to introduce her. And it falls flat. (laughs) But beyond that, I don't feel like, I don't feel like she's, the weakest link. I don't feel like the actress is the weakest link. Mm. I almost feel more that the character being just kind of the gold digging, pretty young face is she's the one that doesn't fit in the story, but she's not meant to fit in this story. So there's a lot. I think that you can make an argument against her in this movie as saying, well, you can't give it five oodles because Hedy Lamar in this movie is not the, you know, to the level of everybody else in this movie, but she also doesn't belong in the Casbah. She's not supposed to mesh well in this story. So you also can argue for, hey, you know what, though? That was intentional. It should be that way. So I, th- I think five, four and a half oaths is what I need to do. <laughs> You're right. No. I think, I think let's, let's just say we both really recommend this film and we both really enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I think the more, the more you watch it, the more you become familiar with the characters and the more you study them through the film, like study the individual character, it makes it that much richer and much more enjoyable. I absolutely recommend go through and focus on Pepe one time, go through and focus on Slimane one time, and go through and focus on Inez one time. Because each of those three characters gives such a different perspective to the story that it's just captivating. Where did you happen to watch this one? I, I think I watched this on every version I could find on Prime. And there are okay. at least two. Uh, there are also some that you can rent. Of course, uh, you can find it on Archive, I believe, on archive.org. And then I don't recall if there's a YouTube version or not. Yeah, there is a YouTube. I watched the first time I watched it, I watched it off the uh, the same version I have up on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And the second time I did dig it up on Amazon Prime and watch that mm-hmm. one. And I was going to say... The Prime version is much better than oh, what we have than what I have on YouTube, and I, I it, it's inspired me to go and try to hunt and see if I can't find a better version mm-hmm. to replace the one on YouTube because the Prime is actually a really nice print. It's very clear and has good sound. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is on Prime, and so that buys me time. But I think I'd really like to see this on a dvd this is one of those films where i really would love to see like a criterion kind of thing Mm -hmm. where they do a nice you know they find the film elements and do a nice remaster on a good blu-ray or dvd oh can you imagine this film even in black and white i'd love to see the i'd love to see it a little crisper but it's it's not poor it's not poor quality on prime so no, it's it's it. I'm just so anyone who's looking to watch this film, yes, you can find it in very in, in a lot of different places. But if you have access to Amazon Prime, that is not a bad way to go. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, unless you have anything else to say, I think we've said it all. So I think we'll wrap this one up. I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. Like I said, please rate and review the show if you get an opportunity. We would really appreciate it. And definitely go check out Algiers. I may have to try to dig up the original Pepe Lamoco, the French film. I'm really interested to see it, too. I absolutely agree. I'm And I'm inspired. I've got a whole list now of, of The Adventures of Marco Polo, Love Affair, I'm going to have to look, again, look up again, Three Faces West, <laughs> Dishonored Lady. I have a whole list of movies 
movies with these actors in them that I now, and I, of course I need to watch The Prisoner of Zenda again. Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> and if we uh, do get around to any of those, we'll make sure to let you guys know, uh, even if it's just on the Facebook group or something like that, we'll, we'll mention it and, uh, and recommend whether we think you should go and seek any of these films out as well. <laughs> That's going to do it. So, Lydia, thank you very much. This has been, this film has been a treat. I, yes, it was kind of literally, it was kind of throw a dart and hit kind of pick. <laughs> yeah. And we just kind of went, oh, Hedy. to be a huge winner. Yeah. Yeah. It was just Hedy Lamar's first film. Oh, well, we got to watch that, right? <laughs> uh, very glad we did. I, mm-hmm. this has quickly found its way into like, a list of like my favorite movies, certainly of mm-hmm. the favorite favorite movies of the movies that we've talked about here on the show. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Top five, probably. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back next month. Um, let's see. This one goes out. Oh, my gosh. Is this our December episode? It is. Oh, my. <laughs> is it? Oh, my it goodness. <laughs> well, then, uh, happy holidays. Happy everybody. holidays, everyone. <laughs> Merry we've, Christmas. We, and... we have brought you a gift of Algiers. <laughs> great movie. Watch it now. <laughs> yes, we found you a great movie to watch. <laughs> Nothing holiday-esque about it whatsoever. But, yeah, I hope everyone has a fun and happy and safe holiday and New Year's. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in 2021 wow. uh, to keep this going. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> films are more and more films are actually dropping in the public domain again mm-hmm. i wonder what will become public domain in 2021 i'll have to look that up we'll have to check yeah <laughs> bye everybody thank you very much for listening thank you bye <laughs>